Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio and the C-Suite Radio Network. I am excited today because... In just a few minutes, we're going to be interviewing Adam Durrell, all the way from Amsterdam. He is the CEO and co-founder of Customer Gauge. And uh, the main reason I am excited about working and interviewing Adam is because of this study that just came out. Now, Customer Gauge has numerous studies and, and, and just a plethora of information on how to uh, measure and retain business. And... One of the big measurements that they use is NPS, Net Promoter Score. And I know many people who have listened to the show know that I am a huge fan of of the Net Promoter Score question. Uh, a tribute to Fred Reichheld and Bain & Company. Uh, the question is simple. On a scale of 0 to 10, what is the likelihood that you would recommend us to a friend, colleague, business associate, whomever? But what's the likelihood that you would recommend us? And a lot of companies are using NPS because it is such a simple measurement. There have been a lot of studies that have come out recently that said NPS is just one measurement. Agreed. But what a really great measurement to get a basic number. Sure, we love much more data and lots of other ways to measure different things that we're doing in business. But NPS gives us a really clear vision if it's used correctly on uh, on how we're doing as far as are we doing well enough that you'd be willing to recommend us. Now, I'm going to share with you a couple of real quick uh, stats and facts before we get into the interview. Uh, I am holding in my hand the NPS Benchmarks Annual Survey from 2016. That's just last year. However, 2017, it is coming out like like right now. And when we talk with Adam, we're going to talk to him about how you can download that report at no charge, by the way, uh, from them. So here's an interesting stat. Uh with NPS, Net Promoter Score, uh, they interviewed, gosh, hundreds, I think about six to 700 companies. And what they found, are you ready for this? 90% are not uh, clear. Even though they have an NPS program, in other words, they're asking the question, 90% were not clear on if they had improved retention rate since starting their NPS question. In other words, they're going out and they're surveying their customers and they're getting the data back. And guess what? Now we have the data. Well, data without some type of action is just an exercise in collecting data and basically nothing else. So uh, what could you do better? Well, when asked to rate uh, their own NPS question or their own NPS program. When when companies were asked to rate their own NPS programs, half of the people using uh, that were not promoters of the program. Think about this, and here was the frustration. Number one, there was no buy-in internally. There was poor communication about the program. There's lots of work to put the program together, and ultimately, people aren't seeing the result of this work they're putting in. So. They need to work harder. Companies that are using NPS need to work harder to get the C-suite involved to not only get engaged and talk about it and promote it, but also invest in it. So who loves the net promoter score? Well, smaller, B2B, easy to buy into that. 
it, uh, the key driver of NPS is when there are clear goals set. So let's say you have a score of, let's just say, 75, and we want to raise it to 76, or we're going to raise it to 80. Uh, number two, executives have good buy-in. I just mentioned that was one of the biggest problems is that the C-suite and executives aren't necessarily – even though they claim they're behind it, they're not showing that they're behind it. In other words, just saying you're doing it isn't good enough. You've got to prove it. You've got to talk about it. You've got to live and breathe it. It's when companies come to me and they say, hey, we want to be customer-focused, I tell the leadership of the company, well, if you want to be customer-focused, that means you want the rest of your people to be customer-focused. They're going to lead by example. All right, so once executives have bought into it, what's the next big thing? Is it the staff, the people, are empowered to enact and, and engage with customers and do what it takes to get it done so that the customer will come back and say, yes, I love doing business with you, and yes, I would be willing to refer you to a friend or a business associate. And for people to be empowered Number one, again, it takes training. Number two, you've got to give them the tools. You've got to give them the permissions to take care of the customer. I've talked about this in past shows. There's a great concept. It's called one to say yes, two to say no. It's not my concept, but it's so powerful. I wrote about it in my last book, Amaze Every Customer Every Time. One to say yes is you're giving permission for the people you work with to take care of the customer without having to come back to you to get approval every time they want to do something that's a little different, a little special, maybe a little outside of the box. If you teach people what's right and what's wrong and where the line is, they'll go all the way up to the line and they won't cross it. And if they do cross it, it's an opportunity to teach that person and everybody else what crossing the line looks like and how to avoid it and what you can do next time. It becomes a great teaching opportunity. So bottom line is uh, if you are interested in monetizing the results of not just NPS but any survey, you've got to keep in mind leadership has to buy into it. You've got to give your frontliners and everybody else in the company the empowerment and the tools to get it done. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I promised you an interview with Adam Durrell, CEO and co-founder of Customer Gauge, talking to us about the latest and greatest in how to monetize the net promoter score concept. Looking forward to having Adam on the show in just a moment. Don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Radio Network. If customer service is the new marketing and content marketing is one of the hottest marketing trends, then it makes sense that your customer service and experience strategy would include a content marketing strategy. Delivering relevant content, not blatant promotional content, is part of the value that you can bring to your customers. You can become an influential voice in your industry, which creates more leads, loyalty, and brand recognition. And that's where PowerPost comes in. This solution will help you be more organized and efficient in the way you publish and post content to social channels, websites, blogs, email, and more. And the team at PowerPost can provide consultation and services to help your brand evolve into a modern-day marketer. Turn your company into a publishing machine that adds value to your customer's experience. Learn more at www.powerpost.com. Digital. That's www.powerpost.digital. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. 
We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you an amazing interview today, and we do. Adam Durrell is the CEO and co-founder of Customer Gauge, and he's been running uh, what we would call retention programs. How do you retain your customers based on monetizing Net Promoter? Now, we've talked about Net Promoter in prior shows. This specific show, we are going to be talking about how you monetize Net Promoter. How do you make money by understanding the numbers behind this survey, where the promoter is somebody that's willing to recommend you to their friends, family members, acquaintances, associates. Uh, Adam and his company have been doing business with uh, small companies like Sony and Philips and Canon and Nike and uh, Vodafone and Tommy Hilfiger and, yeah, just a few of the small brands that nobody would recognize. Right, Adam? <laughs> no. Right, that's right. Sir. Right, right. No, these are huge companies. So welcome to Amazing Business Radio, Adam. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Chef, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. So, and by the way, uh, Adam, as you can tell from his accent, is not from over here in the U.S., nor are we talking to him from the U.S. We are talking to him all the way over in Amsterdam. Beautiful place. Yeah, it really is. I've lived here for 10 years, Chef, but I'm actually originally an English guy. I'm from London, but I've moved around many places. I know the U.S. pretty well, and I'm commuting between here and Boston every two weeks at the moment. Oh, so, wow. You know, I get my air miles in. What are you doing in Boston? Well, we get an office in Boston. Um, it's in Burlington, just outside that. It's a great place for us to expand out there in the business-to-business market. But I've been traveling to Boston for, I think, well, probably 25 years because you won't remember this, Shep. You're not old enough. But I used to work for a company called Digital Equipment Corporation. You know, uh-huh. that, that was how I started my commuting to Boston. Wow, wow. Well, Boston's a great, great city, and Amsterdam is too. I love uh, the architecture, and obviously Amsterdam is known for a lot of fun things. Crazy uh, party city over there. But uh, I'm amazed that somebody said the trivia question, why are the houses so narrow and thin on the front? And then they go back, gosh, so far, and uh, you know the answer to that, don't you? That's right. I had two houses. There was one at the front and one at the back. Right. Well, the one in the front, they measure, they, they tax the home based on how wide the home is. They don't care how deep or how long or how tall. They just care how wide it is. So the thinner the house, the less the tax. You're right, and it was all about real estate because you had to have a canal frontage because that was how you got goods in and out. Right, so, right. That, anyway. That was, that, was, that was why it was important. So enough about real estate taxes. Let's talk about uh, how you monetize NPS. So y- you came out with a, a great report, and I promised our listeners uh, in the short monologue that I did, I talked about the NPS benchmarks and a couple of stats and facts from there. But y- I promised them that they would be able to download the new report, and so go ahead and tell us what that website is. We'll start off right at the top by giving them a little bit of value and a little bit of homework, which is to go and download this benchmark report because when you understand the numbers behind, uh, and by the way, I know we talk about NPS, but it can be any type of survey. There is lessons in here on, on, on what you should do, what isn't being done, what should be done. I mean, all types of great lessons coming out of the data that's, uh, that's coming from this report. So where can they get this benchmark report? Great question, Shep. Well, we've got a lot of these resources, including the survey, on our website, which is called npsbenchmarks.com. 
And that's an open source repository for all things MPS. We've got more than 2,000 MPS scores on there, uh, a lot of articles, and it's a great place where people should go if they want to learn, as you said, about customer experience and surveys. Great. So NPS Benchmarks, with an S at the end, benchmarks.com. And uh, the survey, you can download it free, no charge. Great. So um, let's start off. Um, I have a few comments here, a few notes I have. uh, that Customer relationship management, CRM, has been around for a long time. Uh, However, I'm going to say in the last five to ten years, uh, it's really becoming more mainstream. And it's all about the acquisition of a customer and not so much about the maintenance or the retention of the customer. And I think that's the first thing I'd like to talk to you about is because I know that's a big part of what you do. Anytime you're measuring, you're not measuring just to find out how we're doing, but we're measuring to do something with that number. And I would assume it's how do we retain more customers and make more money off of them? Uh, That's right, Shep. I I think one of the most interesting things for me that came out of the survey that we did last year, you know, we asked more than 700 business professionals about how they implement their programs. And even the people who are professionals in this, a lot of them, 40% of them, were not sure of how much business they retained every year. Uh, And, you know, actually, while I thought about it, that chimed with some of my experience. When I go around and talk to people, talk to CEOs, they go, yeah, let me get back to you on that number. And I think this should be a number that trips up everybody's tongue. By the way, we found that the average retention number for companies was about 80%. So let me put that into perspective for you. That it means that if you, you've got to sell five quarters of business to, to make four, you know, which sales manager wants to do that? Wait, wait. I, I want to make sure I understand this. So uh, the average retention is about 80%. So basically you're losing 20% of your customers. So you lose twenty percent. The average American business loses twenty percent of their customers a year. Wow, I, I would have thought it would have been much higher than that. But knowing twenty percent, so if we close the gap, I mean, I, I get it. In other words, in order to uh, to uh, re- I guess if you're going to expect repeat business from your customers, you've got to sell five quarters to get one uh, year's worth of of repeat customers' business, which to me doesn't make sense. So what can we? And, and by the way. I know no customer or no business is going to retain 100% of their customers. Or maybe I'm wrong. Is there a business that's able to do that? I, I also, a really good question. It's, you can't retain 100% of the customers a year. You know, customers leave you for whatever reasons. You've got to expect some of that. We call that churn. Right. But what you can do is if you're really good at uh, retaining your customers, you can increase their uh, net payments to you. Um, so you might lose 20% of your customers, but you might actually get 40% extra revenue from your existing customers, which gives you a net increase of you know, 20 points a year, something like that. So you see what I'm doing with the math? You, get, you right. sell more to existing customers. Right. You, you, you still need to replace some of them, but uh, you can have a net increase over time. Right. You know, I mean, people are going to leave for non-business reasons. They're going to move. The company's going to, you know, maybe, maybe if you're a local business, some, somebody moves out of your local area, God forbid somebody passes yeah. away. Uh, they're probably not coming back. Uh, however, what you're saying is, is a stat that's been tried and true for years, is that a repeat customer will do more business with you than a new customer. The average spend yeah. is higher. And that alone uh, is, number one, you're looking to want a repeat customer. But number two, if you can gain the number of repeat customers you have, 
if the average is 80%, and again, that number seems very high to me, uh, but if the average is 80% and you move it to 82% or 83%, well, that's not perfection. I mean, 100% being perfection, but we just talked about that. You're not going to get perfection because customers will leave for non-business reasons. But boy, if you can just in- increase a few points, it's it's huge. It's massive, Shep. You know, $100 million worth of business, if you can move that needle, that's a million dollar. A million dollars for every need, uh, every point that you move, and you know that's usually pure profit because you haven't got to spend anything on acquisition or or extra sales uh, acquisition. Right. So this is a, this is a huge thing, and it's like uh, warming to my point about the thirty years of CRM. So, so CRM has got some great tools in them, like HubSpot, Marketo, all these fantastic things that help the modern salesperson acquire new business. But there are very few tools focused on the retaining part, and that's that's the area that we that, that we really like to play in. We think there's a lot of value to be had by businesses. Right. I think it's it's. Uh, I'm not going to say it's easy to bring in new business, but all the marketing and the selling and the reputation management that you do, you try to bring somebody in, and at that point, uh, you've got somebody. Um, and and again, I'm still. I'm, I'm. I know this is the third time I've said it. Eighty percent just seems like a big number uh, of people that are retained. Uh, there's a stat, and, and let's go to the people that created the NPS uh, Net Promoter Score, which I, I'm assuming, and we have, you know, uh, that everybody, if they haven't used it, they at least understand what the whole concept of NPS is as they're listening to the interview here. Uh, it's, you know, what are we doing to drive uh, an experience that's going to make people not just want to come back, but if they're willing to recommend us, they'd probably be willing to come back. So, Understanding, uh, well, let's see, Bain and Company. That's that's where I was going with this. Bain and Company are the ones that created NPS. Fred Reichelt of Bain and Company and Bain and Company uh, did this. They also uh, have another stat that's really interesting, and it's about satisfied customers. Now, Vanderbilt did a study years ago about uh, in a typical frontline business, they will say twenty-five to forty percent of satisfied customers won't come back even though they're satisfied. And Bain and Company came out with a stat, and I believe the book, it might have been in their book, The Loyalty Effect, uh, that in some businesses like hospitality and hotels, that number is almost twice as high, uh, that, you know, 70, 80% of people that are satisfied, knowing they have a choice to do business with a place that's better than just okay, are going to switch to that. And I, I, that's why I'm amazed at the companies that don't take more time to measure customer satisfaction levels, customer, you know, uh, you know for NPS, you know, as a score, as, as a great, it's a great score to look at. So let's go there. I mean, what's your thought on that? You, you, you know, you're really playing in the right area there, Shep, because um, NPS has really become a popular metric. And, we're, you know, once again, these things take time to, to diffuse into the business population, especially in the B2B market, I would say. But a lot of the companies that we talk to in the survey are doing the first stages of it. So they're doing the measurement part of it. They've got that down pat. You know, they're taking uh, the measurement each year of their customers. They're understanding what Net Promoter is. They might even be able to understand what the drivers of satisfaction are. And that's a really important step. But the next thing, and this is, this is the really exciting part that we love to talk about, the monetizing NPS, is that when you start to act on those results in a timely way, you know, you start to close the loop on people in a, with an SLA of two hours, for example, 
And then you start to link those scores to revenue because not every poor score that you get is, is the same as everything else. If it's a bigger company or a bigger contract behind it, you better jump on it fast. Right, right. And that's what we really like to do. It's like so to, to show the money behind this and and then measure the difference. Uh, and that's the key thing because that's what leads into retention and about how you can boost that business. Great. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to. I would love for you to give us a few tips on how we can start to monetize. Very specific tips, little things that we could do. It's one thing to measure. It's another thing to do something else with the measurements. Now, before we take the break, let me uh, remind everybody that if you go to www.npsbenchmarks.com, you'll be able to download the latest survey. I referenced the survey uh, earlier uh, in the monologue uh, prior to the interview, and that was based on last year's survey. The new one is just coming out now, so uh, I encourage you to download it. It doesn't cost anything. You're going to learn a tremendous amount. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more with Adam Durrell. Don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Radio Network, and we're talking with Adam Durrell all the way from Amsterdam, although uh, he's from London, or at least from the U.K., and then uh, spends a lot of time over in Boston. So he's kind of like, uh, I don't know, do you really have a home? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, All right, here's what we promised to talk about in this segment. I I would really love some very specific thoughts, tips, tricks, ideas about, you know, how do you turn it around and make make NPS work uh, to where it's not just a survey and a stat that we look at and go, okay, we can do better than that, but what can we do to monetize it? Oh, okay, Jeff. Thanks. You, you got me warming to a theme here, but because the number one thing we found in the survey was that to make a successful program, and by a successful program, we're talking about actually measuring retention, bringing money back, is you need to engage your C-suite. So that was the number one thing that came out of it. That uh, successful program was driven by buy-in from the board or the or, or the C-suite. It, you know, is there ever a time where the board wouldn't want that? I mean, uh, give me an example. Are there companies that just say? Uh, the leadership doesn't believe in it? I mean, how could the... You can't drive something through in an organization unless the C-suite is behind it. Well, you know, you know, I was listening to your show last week, and you had um, oh, Keith on, Keith uh, Pierce. Keith Pierce Force. from you Salesforce. Know, and you had that great stat. And he said, you know, 85% of business leaders believe in it. They know that, that the customer engagement is, is what takes them forward. And there's no denying that, but it's hard to do. So it's one thing to, you know, to, to say it, but to actually drive the program. The CEO needs, needs to empower people in the business. They need to put a budget against it. They need to have 
They just need to make it happen to say that this is the number one thing we'll do for customers. Otherwise, it gets caught up into you know petty KPIs like uh, we've got to do some cost savings here. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. how do you get the attention of the how do you get the attention of the board? Well, you basically say, look, there is a huge ROI to our NPS program or our customer experience program, and until recently, that's been incredibly difficult to measure. You know, or you do it as a once-a-year exercise, looking back to say, yeah, we think it brings in this much business. But the tools are coming around that allow people to measure this pretty much in real time to see, yeah, we were able to retain so much business last month because we saved the customer of these issues, and they referred another couple of customers to us, which brought in X amount of business. That is what these programs, the monetized programs, are able to deliver right now. You see what I'm getting at? So, so now this is now you can really attack, uh, the, the, get the attention of the C-suite and they, and they, and they right. get engaged. So I, I think what NPS it really is doing, uh, and any stat for that matter, is is confirming that the effort that the company is making in the goal of of high levels of customer satisfaction, retention, uh, referral rates, uh, those are happening. But in order for that to happen, you just can't say, here are our numbers, now go out and make them better. Uh, you've got to really put a budget behind what's going to drive that. And that's going to be making sure you hire the right people, making sure they're properly trained. And there's a pretty sizable investment to making that happen. You, you know, you, you're absolutely right. The, 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 you've got to have the communication in there. But again, we're seeing the thing, one of the things that electrifies people is to make sure that you can attach a dollar value to the NPS score. And that's the thing that's been missing. And we call it, you know, people that, that, that operate the, the system now, they're doing heritage NPS. It's great. It's lovely. But it's a bit like Downton Abbey. It's kind of in the, <laughs> in the past and doesn't take you forward anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at this monetized NPS feature, which, uh, which attaches dollar values to it, which allow you to say, hey, if we increase our NPS by three points next month, that will predict so many million dollars in extra value for us. So it's a leading indicator. And until now, it's been very difficult to make that link. Um, and that's, that's what we're able to do. And that's what we, we know that that's what people are really uh, are wanting to see because we saw that in the survey. That's the thing that electrifies the entire organization. Because for now, you can really see for the first time, customer experience has a real value to the business. Yeah, and and as I looked through uh, last year's survey, I could see, it's like, wow, these numbers are pretty incredible. They tell a story, and if nothing else, they do motivate. uh, uh, It would motivate leadership for sure to want to get behind what can we do to make this happen. Now, by the way, uh, I'm going to throw this out again. I, I mentioned a few minutes ago. You just said if we can get NP, our NPS score to be up three points from last month, this is what it would mean. But you can't just tell somebody, get it up there. What do they need to do to get an increase of not even three points, even just one point? Well, I can tell you a few simple tips. I mean, you know, you put a whole very complicated project behind it. But the number one thing is, is, is when people give you feedback, you get back to them in a timely manner. So if they give you negative feedback, you make sure that you come back to them and say, hey, we're really sorry about this. Look, let's see what we can do to fix it. And by timely manner, we say we recommend 48 hours in, in B2B situations mm-hmm. that they should get back to their customers. 
But we have got customers out there who've set a two-hour SLA on this. So they want to get back to 90% of those issues within two hours. And I think that's fantastic. I think that's you fantastic, know, right. If you, had an issue with a, if you had an issue with a company and somebody gets back to you, a senior person within two hours, you'd be amazed. That's dinner party conversation right there. You know? Right. Well, you're going to restore my confidence. And guess what I'm going to do after you get back me, uh, with me in two hours? I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy from you again. <laughs> You've now retained yeah, well, a potentially lost customer. Well, or at least put it this way: is that you've got, you know, you've got somebody's attention. You're like, they take they take my comments seriously. Because another thing out there: how many times have you responded to a survey? And I know you do this yet because, you know, you take your customer experience really seriously. But you've got nothing back. I mean, it's just almost all the time. You don't even get an acknowledgement, do you? No. No, and uh, you know you do the survey, and, and that's it. And by the way, you want to know what irritates me about some companies? They ask me to take a survey that takes longer to take the survey than it did to do business with them in the first place, <laughs> which is why I love the simplicity of an NPS survey. So here's, here's what I'm hearing. The f- every, a lot of companies are focusing on the high score. What do we need to do to get a high score? I'm hearing you say, Let's focus on a lower score, not, not focus on it, but look at the lower score, find out from the customer directly through feedback, picking up the phone, re-engaging them and say, what caused us to get this low score? What can we do to make it better next time? Let's make it right this time. Let's get you back in the door. By looking and, and uh, focusing on uh, what's not getting repeat business and, and working to get those people to come back to you, I think that helps to, to move your numbers. You know, one of the questions that we like to ask when somebody gives us the, you know, zero to 10 is, hey, if you don't give us a 10, what do we need to do to go up just one number? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a pretty powerful question. Yeah. I agree, but the warming to my theme, you know, it's just doing the basics right. So, for example, you set a time and you measure the time it takes to go back to people. Mm-hmm. That alone drives huge behavior in an organization. That's the sort of thing that pushes up the score. Uh, the other thing is, is you need to have, you know, it helps to have a structured way of doing this. So too often people in the past, they would survey people once a year at the beginning of the year. And, you know, they'd get their 60,000 answers back or whatever it was, and it would take them three months to process it and, by then, it's too late to get back to the customer. So we see, again, that technology allows customers to do this on a continuous flow method. Real-time so, method. Again, best practice, you, know, you got it. And the best practice that we, that we have is that companies are baking it into their uh, operating system, so to speak. They are surveying their best customers every quarter, especially in the B2B scenario. So they're surveying multiple people in the organization, uh, and they're setting up a quarterly business review which has the results of that survey in it, and they go back and say, look, this is what you've told us about what you think of your investment. Let's, you know, let's have an open book discussion about what we can do to make it better. So you use the NPS as a way of improving your account management. Right. I love it. Love it. It's good springboard. So we're getting down to the uh, end of the interview. I just want to recap a couple of things. Uh, number one, I think, obviously, NPS, great way of, of taking a look at what business is about. But too many people, uh, even though they're getting the numbers, what the, once they have them, they don't know what to do with them. Uh, another comment that stood out in my mind, and I, I, I kind of drilled down a little bit on it, is that too many times we're focusing on how do we get our scores from a you know 78 to a 80 or an 81. Well, really, 
the way to do that is to look at the people that are giving you a, you know, on a scale of one or zero to 10, they're giving you a three or a four. Look at those people. And of course, I, I, you do not want to ignore your top customers, but you need to give some attention to the ones that aren't happy with you because they're the ones that are driving business yep. away from you. And uh, that, that yep. is a, a comment that I think that you made, and that's resonating with me in a big way. Yeah, I, I would say the final piece of the puzzle. Good, the one thing. That's what I want you to think. The one thing, if you want to yeah. leave us with, what would it be? Well, the one thing is, is actually when you've got it all under control and you've got your system working so you've fixed your detractors, mm-hmm. then you focus on your promoters because that's where the gold is. This is, the, this is when you need to work with the promoters to, to, to get them to really help you expand your business. And you'd be surprised. Promoters are often really willing to do this. In the question, when you say, uh, you know, how likely are you to recommend us, call them out on that. Would, you know, can you well, actually Who are the people you'd recommend us to? Right. I love yeah. it. So, I mean, you've gone full circle with this. You know, we're focusing on detractors yeah. to eliminate problems. And once we start to eliminate those problems and move those detractors up to hopefully less, you know, above passive into being a promoter, now go back to your promoters. And when, so when you ask them, hey, would you be willing to recommend us? And they go, yes. You simply say, well, who to? <laughs> ask for the business. Yeah. Boy, isn't that and when brilliant. you mention that, Shep, I just I just want just want to leave you with the one stat that we found in this, and it's also what we see with our customers on the customer gauge platform is that when they do that, you get about on average a ten percent advantage over companies that don't do it in terms of retention. And it seems to me that this is, you know, it's hard work to do it, but in, with all the other things out there, it's somewhat easy to put the processes in place and to do that. So that's what I'd like to leave you with on that score today. That is. All right. Put the things in place. There's a, there's a 10% boost out there for your business if you do it right. 10%. That's huge. And that's a 10% boost without adding people, without uh, you know the expense of hiring and training these people. So this is huge. Uh, Adam, you're a great resource. I can't thank you enough. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. I say that quite often, but Adam, you are a wealth of information. Uh, Adam, again, he's with Customer Gauge. You want to learn more about Customer Gauge, just go to customergauge.com. And if you want to download the NPS Benchmark Survey, go to npsbenchmarks.com. Lots of stats, facts, and studies, but get the latest survey. It will make the case for why you want to take a very, very hard look at what you are doing to drive loyalty, to drive retention. Adam, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Chef. I've uh, really enjoyed the experience. It's been great. Well, it's been awesome having you. Uh, And again, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Amazing Business Radio. My name's Chef Hyken, and I am reminding you until next week, and actually, why not just make it long-term forever, to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.